Well, hey, good evening, Mosaic family. Would you stand? We're gonna worship tonight. Listen to this scripture from Psalms. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy, if he's done great things for you tonight, let's sing it out. Here we go.
Maybe see, check this out. Hello, fellowship. Thank you for participating in the elder nomination process. After a deliberate season of prayer, discussion, and seeking the heart of God, our elders have three new candidates for the office of elder to present to you. Hello, fellowship. My name is Bill Fries. My wife, Lee, and I have been attending fellowship for over 15 years. During that time, I've been blessed to be part of small group ministry, such as community group leader, welcome and connection team member, prayer team member, and Discover Fellowship support. Our faith has grown from being members at Fellowship Church, and it's a humbling honor to be nominated as an elder candidate. Hi, Fellowship. My name is Charles Greathouse. My family and I have been attending Fellowship since 2008. My wife, Susan, and I have three children, Jonathan, Zachary, and Charlotte. I'm so grateful for how our body has encouraged, challenged, and led our family to the Word of God over the years. From engaging in and leading community groups to serving in FSM as a cell group leader, I have felt His hand at work in this place and through His people. I am so very humbled and honored to serve you all as an elder candidate at Fellowship. Hi, my name is Nick Rowland and my wife Cassie and I have been a part of Fellowship for 15 years married together and then many more years before that. And fellowship has been a part of my journey walking with Jesus uh, in so many ways. Going back to middle school and growing up in FSM, I was discipled here and I was taught how to serve here. And as I moved into college and adult years volunteering in the student ministry and, and reaching a point in my adult life, my early adult life, where I became aware of the desperation of my hurts and my hangups and my habits. And at that time, Celebrate Recovery was a crucial place for me to begin the process of healing. And uh, I've been able to serve in student ministry, on the worship team, in the training center, community groups, and preaching. And it's been just a wonderful place for, for my wife and I to grow. We have a 12-year-old daughter uh, who is thriving here, and my wife serves in, the, in has served in many capacities, currently serves on the worship team. One of the things I appreciate most about this church is the fact that the focus is always put on Jesus and not on any one personality or leader. And so we all are broken people who need Jesus and need grace, and yet the Holy Spirit empowers us to serve in a lot of different ways, and that's a really exciting thing to be a part of. Uh, I'm deeply humbled and honored to be considered as an elder candidate. Thank you, Bill, Charles, and Nick for your willingness to participate in the elder nomination process as a candidate for the office of elder. It's a tremendous responsibility to be an elder of Fellowship Bible Church. Your willingness to be a candidate speaks highly of your character, integrity, commitment to Christ, and service to God through fellowship. Now, if you are a member of our church, we have one more request of you. If for some biblical reason, you feel you cannot follow a particular candidate's leadership, please email me, mirapier at fellowshipnwa.org, stating your biblical objection, and please do so no later than Thursday, February the 29th. After receiving your notice, I will call you personally, and we can discuss your objection, which must have merit based on biblical elder qualifications. We require that all elders have 100% affirmation from our body. If you have no objection, we assume that you are affirming the candidates the elders have set forth from the pool of nominees you provided. Please pray for these new candidates 
as well as our current elders. And finally, we would like to thank Roger Hill and Scott Thompson for their years of faithful service as elders. They have represented our body well and will now become shepherding elders. If you see them, express your gratitude and appreciation for their years of faithful service. Blessings to each of you. Thank you, both of you. That was, that was awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah, my name is Russ, and I'm, I've been a part of Fellowship for a long, long time. And I am so grateful for this opportunity to be with you, celebrating who Jesus is and the incredible things that he has done as our promised perfect king. You know, it, it, we know there's a lot of places that you could be tonight and ways that you could spend a Saturday night like this, but we truly are so blessed and so grateful that you chose to spend that time with us tonight. It, it matters that you are here. And if you're new to Mosaic, um, we would love to meet you. And there's a couple of ways that, you, we can, uh, that that can take place very easily. And one is on the screen, you see uh, text MONU to that number and someone will uh, get back in touch with you. Also, you can go out into the center booth in the foyer and there's friendly folks that would love to meet you and answer any questions that you have about this spiritual family. Cool? All right, yeah. You know, at its heart, Fellowship Mosaic is a people. It's a people that are committed to growing. Growing in our ability to know and express the authentic Jesus where we live and where we work any place that we, we're in connection and relationship with other people. And this celebration is, is an important part of that growth experience. And so because of that, we're very purposeful and prayerful uh, in setting a table for worship where people can experience the empowering presence of Jesus. And friends, tonight, you're invited to that table. And so to that end, can we pray together as a family? Lord Jesus, we are so grateful to be here in your presence. We are here and your word says that, that you are here. And we just ask that you would help us to fix our eyes on you, the author and the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. And we pray that our praise is pleasing to you, that it brings a smile to your face. And we pray that our hearts would be transformed in your presence, that you speak to us through your powerful, life-changing word. But this is your time, and we pray that you would do with it what you will. And it's your strong and mighty name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Family, would you stand as we continue to worship?
in your promises my confidence is your faithfulness i will rest in your promises my confidence is your faithfulness family. My name is Eldon. Um, my wife and I and our two boys, we've been honored to be able to be with you all for the last few years, get to know some of you all and worship with you all. And I've also um, just personally been really blessed by our CR ministry that I've been to for the past five years. And um, one of the songs we do regularly in our CR family that's blessed them is called I thank God, and it is an upbeat, rowdy song at CR. And so I wanna teach it to you tonight. And uh, I mean, it's fast, so get your breath, okay? You ready for that? We're gonna sing and we're gonna celebrate singing I thank God. Here we go. So long. 
just keep it moving. No, you ain't welcome here. From now till I walk the streets of gold, I'll sing of how you save my soul. This wayward son has found his way back. before you just as we are and God we offer you all that we have Lord may this offering that we bring in our very lives God bring your name honor and glory our most high king we love you amen Let's sing these truths out together in faith tonight.
As you are able, would you remain standing for the reading of God's word? Good evening, Mosaic family. And I say that, well, so many of you guys I've known and been able to have meals with, serve together, or kids play together with. Uh, That's what this body is about. And so my name's Chris Simon. This is my fabulous wife, Kevi. We serve in a few ways here. I'm a huge proponent of our men's ministry. For any of you guys who don't know, we have an awesome retreat coming up at the end of April. Uh, Jerry Dudley's in charge of it out back. It has been dubbed fishing retreat. It's not a fishing retreat. It's a guy's retreat. (laughs) If you want to go fish, if you want to ride a mountain bike, if you want to sit by a fire and just chill and hang out with great brothers, that's what it's about. So if you're interested in that, go check out um, Jerry in the back. You'll see Mosaic Men's Bonfires. Those are at our houses, too. I just love men's ministering and hanging out with people. Um, We also serve in a small group. So if any of you guys have little kids under the age of six, we figured we don't know how to do small group. So what we did is we got a few of our friends who are in the same situation, and we picnic after church together. And so we let our kids, you probably hear them screaming in the family center back there. But that's how we found to do community. So if any of you guys have little kids and are struggling to get connected, come find us. We'd love for you guys to come hang out with us after church, doing guys and girls nights in between. He forgot to mention, we call ourselves the after party. That's true. So come join the after party, please. All right, let's hear from the word of the Lord, shall we? We're in 2 Samuel 9, 1 through 13. David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he's at the house of Machir, son of Amiel in Lodabar. So King David had brought him from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore you to all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table, and he was lame in both feet. This is the word of the Lord. Now, if you don't know, that little girl who just read the scripture to you is my daughter. I just happened to mention it to the group. They were asking who's going to read the scripture. And I said, well, what about Kevy? But you don't, you can't understand how much that means to me to hear her read the word. 
Because 35 years ago, in July, I remember pushing her on a swing. She was 20 months old. And that was our thing when they were little. We would memorize scripture, memorize scripture. She was 20 months old. And I remember pushing her on the swing down a little rock. We would move up here and join this team that fall. But I pushed her on the swing and I said, for God. And she just took off and quoted John 3.16. I'll never, ever forget that moment. And through those years praying that the word of God would always be dear and special to her. And so it means a lot to me for her to stand here. And read the word of the Lord before we study it tonight. Is the, Lord, is the word precious to you? Then the chapter that we will study tonight, you can mark in your Bible, is the one of the most beautiful illustrations of grace in all of Scripture. The story of Mephibosheth. And if you want a challenge, just learn to say Mephibosheth three times fast. Okay? <laughs> Just let that be a goal for you. But also the goal, not only to say it three times fast, but to mark it in your Bible. Beautiful image of grace. And so we'll study that. I bring you greetings from all the congregations tonight. Uh, I make my way around to all of them. I was teaching a Fayetteville last week uh, on the Davidic throne uh, from our elders and uh, we just thank God for you. We thank God for the new candidates we have who will be uh, on our uh, elder team, we hope. And then say a big thank you to Scott Thompson for his service on the elder board uh, for the last five, six years, something like that. I mean, who's counting, right, Scott? Yeah. But would you say thank you to Scott for his service? He has been a tremendous elder and has represented all of our congregations well. Speaking of our elders, there's something that we want you to know. Uh, you have heard us for years. We are a pro-life church. We believe in the sanctity and dignity of every human life. And over the next few weeks and months, uh, you will likely, in a parking lot somewhere, be presented a petition. And you'll hand, they'll hand you the petition and say, would you like to sign this and limit government overreach in health care? Well, which of us wouldn't want to sign something like that? But what they're saying is a little bit misleading. Actually, it's a lot misleading because the sole purpose of that petition is to get the abortion amendment on the ballot this fall. And so you should know that, and our elders want you to know that, that that's what it's all about. And it would once again, legal, once again legalize abortion and even give more privileges than they had before. So as I said, we do believe in the sanctity of every human life. And we feel like you should know that as our congregations. So now you know. Well, once again, we're studying the life, the rise and fall of King David. King, he reigned as king from 1011 B.C. to 971 B.C., a little over 3,000 years ago. That's a long time, isn't it? He reigned for 40 years. The book of Samuel documents for us the birth of Samuel through the death of Saul. And then when we come to 2 Samuel, it documents the reign of King David through his purchasing of the threshing floor of Aruna, which we know as the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. It's where you see that big golden dome. That's what he was purchasing. And it's the same place where Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac. God keeps coming back to those special particular places. 
In this series, we've seen David face giants. Who was the first giant that he faced? Goliath. Yes, he faced Goliath. That was the first big giant. You say, who was the second one? Well, the second one was this. It was the giant decision of whether or not he would exact revenge on Saul, who was trying to kill him. He had the perfect opportunity in the cave, and he cut off the corner of Saul's robe when his men were goading him on, saying, get him, get him, get him. David faced a giant. He didn't exact revenge on Saul. He faced another giant the next week is how he would respond to God's redirect when David wanted to build a house for God, and God said, no, you can't build that house for me. You have shed innocent blood. And so you will not be able to build a temple for me. But he said, I'm going to build a house for you. And we'll talk about that more in a little bit. And this week, he, he faces another giant. Would he keep his promises? Would he keep his promises? This series is not about the perfection of David. We've called it the rise and fall of David. David wasn't perfect, but he was chosen. He was God's anointed. And if you ever want to question God's wisdom and why he makes those type of choices, before doing so, always remember a couple of scriptures, okay? Isaiah 55, 9. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. God's ways are higher than our ways. And one of my very favorites is from Psalm 115.3. Our God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. He has the right to rule. Ours is not to question him, but to line up. Line up under the perfect will of God. He has the right to rule. Don Reed, I bet you heard that at DTS while you were down there, didn't you? God has the right to rule. As we learned last week, God took David from the pasture, from tending the flocks, and appointed him ruler over his people, Israel. And after telling David he would not be allowed to build the temple in Jerusalem, God made a covenant with David. You learned it as the Davidic covenant, one of, one of the most beautiful promises in all of Scripture. It's an irrevocable and unconditional promise of God to establish the house and kingdom and throne of David forever. It would have its near fulfillment in uh, application in David's immediate heirs, but its ultimate fulfillment would be in Christ. And it is a forever covenant. And in 2 Samuel 8, we find David leading the united monarchy well. 2 Samuel 8, 1 tells us this. In the course of time, David defeated the Philistines and subdued them. And so that war was over. That was a big deal. I mean, a really big deal. For 200 years, 200, think about how old the United States is. For 200 years, they had fought the Philistines who brought their might and their iron to the battle. And now gave, God gave David peace, north, south, east, and west. And then it would be another dimension of God's Blessing on David. He gave him victory wherever he went, 2 Samuel 8, 6. It says in 8, 15, David reigned over all Israel, doing what was just and right for all the people. And then in chapter 9, David remembers a couple of promises that he made. In verse 1, he says, 
Is there anyone still left in the house of Saul whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Remember Jonathan? Jonathan was the son of Saul, killed on Mount Gilboa. And then Saul's body was hung on the wall of Beit Shan. A terrible, terrible thing. Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. And they summon him to appear before David. And, and so Ziba comes before David and, and, and he says, is there, any, is there anyone still alive that I can show God's kindness to or kindness to in the house of Saul? And look what he says. Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Remember that. He is lame in both feet. How did he become lame in both feet? Well, we would have to go back to 2 Samuel 4.4. 4. Let me read that for you here. It'll be on the screen. Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. Every time he's mentioned, that's the reminder. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. That's the valley of Megiddo, Armageddon. That's where they were fighting there on Gilboa. His nurse picked him up and fled, but as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. You know, we read over little places like that in Scripture, and we just skim over, okay, he fell, but I want you to stop just for a moment and hear the screams of the child. What kind of fall was it that caused him to be lame for the rest of his life? There's nothing so disturbing to us as when we hear a child scream. Everything stops, doesn't it? Everything stops. You put everything else on hold to take care of that child and hear this child scream. Let it leap off the page at you. Read the scripture in that way. Well, then David asked the question, where is he? And Ziba said, he is the house of Machir, son of Amiel in Lodabar. Lodabar. What kind of name is that? Well, Mephibosheth, means withered or weak in shame. And Lodabar means no name. No name. So here we got, who, we got a guy who is hiding, Mephibosheth, he is hiding, living in shame in a no-name town. It's a dark place to be. A dark place to be. Let's go, go on. Look, look, he, he's living there. And so David sought him. He, he brought him from Lodabar. And when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. He was once the grandson of royalty, and now he's the only one left. And he had good reason to be afraid. Because kings in that time, when, when they conquered another kingdom, what did they do with all the relatives of the other king? They killed him. They didn't want an uprising, someone trying to restore the family name, so they would take him out. And so Mephibosheth, who was lame in both feet, not able to defend himself, he's hiding in a town with no name. Lodabar. So he comes before him in humility, and David says to him in verse 6b, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. And then David says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's like every time an angel shows up, what is one of the first things they say? Don't be afraid. 
It's just more than, than we can comprehend to be in that kind of presence. It was more than Mephibosheth could comprehend that he had walked into the king's palace and he was still alive. At your service. Mephibosheth, don't be afraid. For I will surely show you kindness. Circle that word. For the sake of your father, Jonathan, I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. When you see that word kindness here in the following verses, it's the Hebrew word chesed. It's a hard K, chesed. The chesed of God, whenever you find it in Scripture, you'll find it throughout the Old Testament in Hebrew. There is no English word that captures the essence of chesed. And that's why most of the time when you see it, it will be translated loving kindness or kindness or steadfast love. Scholars just try to capture the chesed of God, but we just can't capture it in our language. It's just too big. Just like God is incomprehensible, his love is incomprehensible. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Huh? Really? Remember the promise that he made to Jonathan, 1 Samuel 20, 14. Jonathan said, but show me unfailing kindness. There it is again, kissing like the Lord's kissed, as long as I live so that I may not be killed. And do not ever cut off your kindness from my family, not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. Verse 42, Jonathan said to David, go in peace for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord saying, the Lord is witness between you and me, between your descendants and my descendants forever. A promise. A giant promise in David's mind that he never forgot. And then there was the one from Saul that you saw just a couple of weeks ago there at En Gedi. He said, I know that you will surely be king. Saul is saying this to David as David stood there with the corner of robe in his hand across the canyon there at En Gedi. I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not kill off my descendants or wipe out my name my father's family. David remembered. He had made a promise. And Mephibosheth responded. Mephibosheth, if you had to say that as many times tonight as I am, you would mess it up too once in a while. Give me a break, all right? Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? That's the image he had of himself. A dead dog. And you got to remember that in Israel, the dog was just the worst thing. They, they, they didn't have little peanut much and poochies like we do that sit in our laps and sleep on our beds. No, a dog was a nasty thing. Who, who am I that you would notice a dead dog like me? You ever feel that way when you come before God? You know, sometimes when we commit the worst of sins... We want to run from God, but that's when his arms are open widest. But when we come before God, who am I? Mephibosheth is standing there saying, look at me. 
I don't have anything good or clean or right to bring before you. I have no right to be here. Look at me. The same thing happens to us when we come before God. We're like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 when he stood in the throne room there before God. He realized, he said, I'm dirty and everybody I know is dirty. I don't belong here. Woe to me, I cried. I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. I don't belong here. But that's when God's arms wrap around us and he shows us his kesed, his steadfast loving kindness to us. We should remember that every time we come before him in worship. We should remember that when we come to the communion table. That even though you don't feel worthy to reach out and take the elements to the bread and the cup, our God says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let me take that burden off your back. Remember, he didn't choose us because we were perfect. He chose us because he is our God in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. He has the right to rule. Wow. Well, then the king summoned Ziba and said, hey, you're going to take care of him for the rest of his life. You and, and, and all your servants and your sons, you're going to farm the land for him. You're going to take care of Mephibosheth. He would take care of him for the rest of his life. And then Ziba said to the king in verse 11, your servant will do whatever the Lord my king commands his servants to do. And so Mephibosheth ate at the king's table like one of the king's sons. He had a young son. And it says he lived in Jerusalem. He always ate at the king's table. And look at the last words of the story. He was lame in both feet. Even though Mephibosheth experienced the chesed of God through David, he would still live the rest of his life disabled. I thought back this week to 1981. I worked in a church and, and the, my window out the office looked over an elementary school. Denise and I were newly married and there was a lot of wonder in life for me. But I remember that elementary school, there was, uh, I would hear the bell ring for recess and I would see the kids come out and play on the playground. Sometimes I'd just watch them. But every day, there was a little boy who would come out at recess and he was pushed in a wheelchair. And he would sit and watch all the other kids run and play. Well, he was in that chair. I wonder where he is today. But I, I marveled that he didn't say just... Don't make me go out there and watch everybody run and play while I can't move. Don't, don't make me do that. He was out there every day in the cold, whatever it was. He was right out there with them. And I can just imagine in his mind's eye, he was running and playing as well. Our afflictions, and we all have them in one form or another, we all have disabilities of some kind because of sin. They are opportunities for us to glorify God. It's like Paul said in 2 Corinthians, when I'm weak, then I am strong. And if you're weak, 
you can find yourself in a place where God can use you greatly. It's like Johnny Erickson taught. I was watching her speak one time, and she, if, if you know who that is, she's been paralyzed from the neck down for most of her life. She dove into shallow water and broke her neck, and so since she's since a teenager, she's been paralyzed. She was speaking, talking about suffering, and she was a little sick, and so she, she couldn't catch her breath. And I was suffocating as I watched her. I, I couldn't stand it. And then they took her backstage, and they, I don't know what happened. They got her oxygen or something, and then she came back out on the stage, and she began to speak again. And I'll never forget what she said. Sometimes God allows what he hates in order to accomplish what he loves. Sometimes God allows what he hates in order to accomplish what he loves. You see, in this beautiful story of Mephibosheth, had that not happened to him, we wouldn't have this story. We wouldn't see the grace of that broken one chosen by the king. Oh, there are all sorts of things we can learn from this passage, but remember this, that God sometimes allows what he hates in order to accomplish what he loves. In in our weakness, we are made strong when we allow God to work in and through us. Well, let's catch a few lessons from this. David kept his promises, extending his love and his grace to Mephibosheth. God has done the same for us. He's done the same for you and me. Somehow we don't see that as readily, but that's why the story of Mephibosheth is there to remind us. Ephesians 4, 8, 9, for it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Or you would try to take credit for it. That's what it says. You would boast about it if you could do it yourself. But we can't. It's his gift. David took Mephibosheth from a barren place and gave him a seat at the king's table. God's done the same for us. He invites you to come to his table. There's an old hymn, A Child of the King. It says, I'm a child of the king, I'm a child of the king. With Jesus, my savior, I'm a child of the king. We are heirs with the son, Romans 8. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. We are heirs. We have been invited to the king's table. Galatians 3.29, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Don't push back from the table. Don't push back from the table because you don't think you're worthy or Satan has convinced you that you're sitting at the wrong seat. Number three, David adopted Mephibosheth as one of his own. He's done the same for us. He adopted him. He brought him into the family. Sitting there at the table with imposing figures like Solomon and Absalom. You think he wasn't intimidated sitting there with those guys? And when Mephibosheth walked into the room, I wonder what sound it made when he dragged his foot across the floor. We have these guys and all their royalty there, but Mephibosheth means just as much as they do. Isn't that incredible? 
Don't let Satan box you out from the table. 1 John 3, 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. Grace doesn't pour itself on the smartest, the most athletic, the most attractive. Grace isn't picky. Grace just pours itself on whomever God chooses. Sometimes we hesitate to pour grace on other people. That guy standing on the corner, well, if I give him money, he's liable to go spend it on booze or drugs or something like that. Grace abuse. But aren't you glad God didn't look at us like that? How many of us have abused his grace? Now he just said, here it is. Doesn't cost you anything, but it costs me everything. And here's the kicker. Last thing, I am a Mephibosheth. You are Mephibosheth. We had nothing good or clean to bring before the cane. We were lame in both feet. But God chose us and invited us to his table. Would you bow with me for just a moment? If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, as we talk about this, if you don't know Jesus, would you ask him to come into your heart right now? You say, I want this grace. I want to be invited to the king's table. I want to live with him forever. Would you just ask him to come into your heart right now? Say, Lord, I want to follow you. Come into my heart right now. I know I'm a sinner. I've done wrong. Please forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Lord, I know you died for me and I accept you as my Savior. I want to walk with you. I want to learn your way. I want to sit at your table. The scriptures tell us it's with the heart that you believe and are justified. How he does it? Through his son. And he offers it to you as a free gift. Just take it. Receive it. Walk with him. Listen to this little poem written by Julie Martin. She said, I was that Mephibosheth, crippled by my trusted pride, hiding from you in a barren place where you could not find me, where you would not give me what I deserved. But somehow you found me. And I don't understand, understand why, but you give me what I do not deserve. You not only spared my desolate life, but you made it bountiful. And here at your table, I will thank you, my king. Tonight, we come to the table of remembrance, of remembering what God has done for us through his son. We take the bread, which is a representative, representative element of his body. We take the cup, which represents his blood. And he told us when we do so, to remember. So tonight, as our musicians play, sing, come to the tables and take the cup and the bread. And if you'd return to your seat, then we'll all take communion together in a few moments. You'll exit to the left of your section and then come back to the right, all right? And if you can't walk 
to the tables here. Just lift your hand and Colin will bring you communion to your seat. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we come to you. We thank you that you have invited us to your table. We thank you, Lord, that we have a seat there, that we are heirs with the Son. Lord, that you don't look at us and see us for what we are, but you see us for what we can be. Oh, Lord, you have given all so that we might be an heir, so that we might sit at your table, unworthy as we are. Lord, you have not made us righteous, but you have declared us righteous through the blood of your Son. We thank you for this beautiful story of grace. Now let us experience it through communion. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You can stand and begin making your way to the tables.
the night of Jesus' death, he gathered those around him they loved so dearly. He broke the bread. This is my body, broken for you. Take, eat, and remember. like manner he took the cup said this is my blood take drink remember to his table. Amen. How precious. And if you prayed asking Jesus into your life earlier, welcome to this table. Welcome to the family of God. That's good news, yes? And we would love the opportunity to help you with next steps in your faith journey. So whether you are new in faith or you're new at Mosaic, come see us. 
come meet with us. We would love to connect with you. And you can come up here to, to the stage or you can come and, and meet the folks that are in the foyer. They would love to connect with you. And as always, every week, our prayer team, they count it such a high privilege to pray with you. So if there's anything that you would like them to lift up on your behalf, just go and find them at the back of the room. Tom, lift up your hand, brother. Just out back. And they would be just so overjoyed to be able to pray with you. And finally, I have one more exciting piece of news. So March 23rd, March 24th, probably most of you may know that is the season called Spring Break. And, uh, but... That is also Palm Sunday weekend, and we are going to be observing the service called Tenebrae. How many of you have been a part of a Tenebrae experience? Yes, quite a few of you. It is such an incredibly powerful experience telling the story of the gospel from Christ's birth all the way through his crucifixion. And it is such a great opportunity, a fantastic opportunity to connect with those that God has placed in your life and to invite them to come. Invite them to hear that story because you never know how God is going to use something like that to spark further conversations. Further conversations that could be as simple as this. So what did you think? What did you think? So don't, don't miss the opportunity. Begin praying right now, God, who would you have us bring? Who would you have me bring? Who would you have me praying into your kingdom? So we encourage you, take advantage of that. And the following weekend is, that's also a pretty good one too. So you might consider that as well. But to that end, put your lamp on a candle stand and let's go out there in peace to love and serve our Lord. God bless you.